Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I'm Cody Goodwin, joined today by our senior writer, John Talty. We're here to recap Alabama's season-opening win over Middle Tennessee. Final score on Saturday night, 56-7 at Bryant-Denny Stadium. John, let's start here. Is your Coke bottle a crystal ball? I wish it was. Uh, as Nick Saban said, you know, that would make things easier. Um, sadly, it is not. But that won't stop me from trying to make projections moving forward. That's uh, we're going to do a little bit of that today. Obviously we're just recapping the game for the most part. And I think the biggest takeaway from this week, one game, of course, the quarterback play, right? Jalen Milrow, very, very good. Some might even say he was great or spectacular, or at least he had great or spectacular moments. Final line 13 for 18 passing 194 yards, three touchdowns rushed for another 64 yards, two more touchdowns. He looked every bit, like the QB one that Nick Saban, I think was hoping would emerge from this three man race that lingered throughout fall camp. Um, he also made history by the way, becoming the first Alabama quarterback to throw for three touchdowns and also rush for two touchdowns in a single game, which is kind of cool. Um, John, when it comes to Milrose performance overall, and just the way we're thinking about the quarterback battle air quotes, uh, what stood out to you the most? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did what he had to do. You know, I think we had some questions, Coming into this game, I think some of the big questions were, A, what was the kind of rotation and rep breakdown going to be? And I think Jalen got even more reps than I kind of thought he would. Um, I think it's clear that he separated himself maybe even more than we thought um, based on how they were breaking down first-team reps during scrimmages and and practices and things like that. So that was interesting to me. Uh, But I think part two is just like, I think we wondered – can he be pretty much mistake free, which I think for the most part he was obviously no turnovers um, was able to, you know, make some plays that could have been mistakes and turn them into spectacular stuff like that, you know, touchdown round he had on the, the bad snap from Seth McLaughlin. So, I mean, that was impressive. And I think it's, we wondered what was he like as a passer, what kind of improvement. And I think we saw steps forward in that area. You know, I think you can, again, we'll nitpick more in the future. There's some, some nitpicky things that you can wonder when they're not going against middle Tennessee state, if some of those plays are going to work out the way that they did, you know, I think that's a fair question, but 
overall, he looked good out there. He looked pretty comfortable out there. I thought he made some athletic plays and it, it's clear the team likes him and rallied around him. And so I felt, you know, pretty good about, about what he did out there last night. Yeah. I think the, the athleticism was not so much a question. Um, I, it was kind of neat that that was maybe the first thing that we got to see out of him, right? The bad snap, he picks it up. Um, one thing I noticed on the immediate replay was that he kept his eyes downfield. Like he still looked like he wanted to throw the ball for a split second before he decided to tuck it and run it and let his speed do the rest. Um, but yeah, I th- the biggest thing I was just kind of curious about when it came to Milrow, and I figured Middle Tennessee would be a good, you know, can they work some of these things out, was just the whole deep passing thing, right? Because he just was not good at that last year. Like, they kept a lot of his stuff short and intermediate. That's where he was good. That's where he was effective, especially in the short passing. Very, very good at that last year. I was curious, are they going to take some deep shots? It took a little while to maybe work some of those into the game. Um, you know, but he had three deep shot touchdown passes last night, right? 40-plus to both Isaiah Bond, Jermaine Burton, 29-yarder to Amari Nyblack. Um you know, he had only completed in his college career, which he's only a redshirt sophomore, so we're only talking, you know, three seasons, or this this is the start of his third season. Um, he had only completed one pass that had gone 20-plus yards downfield before last night, and last night he completes three of them. Um, that was good. Like, big thumbs up. I don't know that it's question answered, but, like, he, you, can, you can do that. Like, you put that on tape now that that's a thing that you can do. And that's an encouraging sign if you're an Alabama fan, right? Like that's the fact that he can do that now. That's he even said it last night. Like that's an element of his game that they need to have to be successful moving forward. I know there was a lot of talk through fall camp about um, running the ball and the offensive line wanting to make people quit and just the depth at running back and the the size of the offensive line, this, that, and the next, all that stuff. Um, it ain't going to work out too much when you get into SEC play and all these big defenses start stacking the box because your quarterback can't hit one over the top. Um, again, just middle Tennessee, but he hit a few passes over the top. And that I thought was not the most encouraging sign, but generally speaking, a very encouraging sign, um, at least against an inferior opponent in week one um, for Jalen Miller. I thought that was good. And I think that's probably a good thing to put on tape for Texas, right? You know, I think I was thinking earlier, you know, some of what they're doing, a little vanilla to not want to put anything too exotic uh, on tape ahead of Texas. But I think that's something that actually is beneficial to, okay, this guy can't hit the deep ball. You know, like we can't just stack the box. Like we are going to have to prepare for that. And I think, you know, maybe we'll talk about him more later. I thought Isaiah Bond had a really good game. And I think he's a guy that showed you some things like, okay, there's a connection here. We can use them in different ways. And he had, I was rewatching, uh, his touchdown before jumping on of you here, Cody. And like, I mean, he, he had a good step plus past his guy, you know I mean? He absolutely burned him. Um, and, and Jalen put the ball maybe a little late, but it was pretty good, pretty good ball, pretty good spot to put it in. Um, and so that was such a struggle last year, guys getting separation. And so if, if bond can keep doing that as the level of, you know, competition increases, I think that's a really encouraging sign too, but you're right. I mean, that was a real question for Jalen. And I think he, yeah, I don't know if it's a full answer, but it's, you know, the way that I come away from this experience is he he passed the test, right? I think he he did, like, if it was a pass-fail, he passed. Now, I think it's too soon to say whether he aced it or if he's going to be an A student or whatever kind of classroom analogies we want to use here. But I think from the first test, you wanted him to look pretty good, show improvement. 
not make major mistakes. I think he passed in all of those areas. Yeah. Um, obviously a threat to run the ball. Um, the, the, the 21 yarder was fun, right? Like, and it was cool and it's going to be the one that's going to play on highlights, but like, you know, he had another touchdown run where it was an RPO. He pulled it down, followed his tight ends. Um, a lot of 12 personnel last night, by the way, which was like big thumbs up from this guy. <laughs> um, but no, like he's, you know, clearly like they've given him the green light to run the ball as well, which, you know, it just, when we were talking about the quarterback battle throughout the preseason, just Milrow's ability. I mean, they can all run the ball, right? Like they all have that capability, but just Milrow's speed is just a little bit different than Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson. Um, and so I, that was on display last night, a couple different times. Um, I, you mentioned Isaiah bond, like that five catches for 76 yards and a touchdown led all receivers. Um, you know, and they, I mean, they got a lot of pass catchers involved, right? Like eight different guys caught a ball. Jalen Hale caught a ball. Malik Benson got some targets. Um, you know, a lot of tight ends got to play last night, but only, you know, Amari Nyblack caught two passes. Uh, CJ Dupre brought caught just one. Um, you know, when it's so kind of going all over the place here, but bringing it back to the quarterbacks, Milrow looked like QB one, um, but both Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson got, they each got two drives each at the end of the game. Um, they both ended up scoring rushing touchdowns. Um, I think we all kind of presume that after this game, that Milrow is probably going to be your starter against Texas, probably going to get the vast majority of the snaps, barring something unforeseen. What, does that mean for Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson moving forward? I mean, it seems pretty simple to be like, yeah, like they're number two and number three, and that's kind of it. But, you know, Saban had been adamant, and he, I mean, he even kind of hinted about it last night that, you know, performance in week one doesn't guarantee anything moving forward. Um, but what do we make of this now? I mean, it, is is it done? Is the cake done baking? Or or what, 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 are, you, what are your thoughts? No, I don't think it is done baking. I think it could be done baking. But like, if I'm, man, we're just going to get all kinds of weird analogies today. But if I'm, if I'm baking a cake, and to be clear, I'm not very good at baking. So this might be bad. But like, I'm, I'm peeking through the oven, but I don't think I'm pulling it out yet. Like I'm, I'm, I'm checking it. I'm like, ah, it might be ready, but I don't know if I want to pull it out yet because it might not be fully cooked. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think you have to see what he does against Texas. Like, I think that's, and, you know, I wrote in a column today, like, as much as we all cared about who's going to start week one, to me, it has always been more about, do you feel good about a guy heading into week two, right? So I think you can feel good about Jalen headed into week two, but do you feel good about Jalen headed into week three? That's the next huge question. And I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I don't think, to me, we saw enough against Middle Tennessee State to say definitively, oh man, this is clearly the guy and he's going to crush Texas or whatever. I just, I don't think we, it's just, it's too big of a gap in competition, I think, between what we saw at Middle Tennessee State and what we're going to see with Texas. So I think that Miller will get the start. I think that he, unless he is either gets hurt or is playing horribly, I think he's the only quarterback you see um, in week one, and excuse me, week two. But whether he is the guy past that, I think depends on how he plays. Like I think that the fact that Saban over and over again has said essentially, this is just the beginning. It's not the end. Just because a guy starts doesn't mean he's always going to be the start. I mean, he's clearly given himself some, some outs to switch up QBs down the line. And he's clearly sending a message to that room that to Jalen, just because you start week one, doesn't mean you're always going to be the guy. And I think to Tyler and Ty, 
just because you didn't start week one doesn't mean you won't be the starter moving forward. I think he's purposely trying to stoke competition in that room moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think when, when it comes to I, I, the, the most interesting, not the most interesting thing, one of the more, more interesting things I think I took away from last night was um, I think the guys understand that. I mean, I know we, we talked to Milrow last night after the game, first time that we've talked to any of the quarterbacks, um, you know, basically since the spring. Um, and it was like what struck me, and I know I kind of told you this last night, like very, very different from the Milrow that talked after last year's Texas A&M game. Yeah. Like even the, you know, different from the guy that probably talked after the Arkansas game. Like he talked after those games and he was just like, yeah, like I'm happy we got the win. There's things I got to work on, but I'm really going to enjoy this. Just like really peachy and smiley. And like you wouldn't know that he had just played erratically in that A&M game. And then last night he shows up, talks for six minutes, and it's it's like he's been Sabanized completely, like just oh, yeah. super businesslike. Um, I need to play better. I got to do better. Like I got to do this. I got to do that, yada, yada, after hanging 56 on Middle Tennessee State. I know that two different opponents probably feeling different after an SEC win being thrown into the fire like that compared to an inferior week one foe, but um, just – different it looks like we're dealing with a different cat this year um i'd like to think that that's pretty much a good thing um if you're alabama you know that that's where his focus is at after a lopsided win where he played pretty good i think um, it absolutely is i mean i think it's like you said like i think it's a difference between a guy stepping in as a backup and like hey i did the best i could versus i'm now the guy and the expectations are higher yeah um I thought that was I thought that was interesting. And I wonder I wonder what that means moving forward. You know, right. We we don't get, you know, cracked open windows into these guys psyche all the time. But I, I did find that a little interesting, at least in comparison to to last year. Um, that's the quarterbacks. I, the other prevailing takeaway I thought from last night's game was that Alabama, by and large, looked like the fourth ranked team in the country, or at least they looked how the fourth ranked team in the country probably should look against an inferior week one opponent um, on offense. They scored on eight of 11 drives, put up 447 total yards of offense, 226 passing, 221 rushing. They only had one three and out. Um, the defense allowed just 211 yards. They recorded three sacks. They forced two turnovers. Overall, they look good. They did what they were supposed to do. Um, you know, Middle Tennessee is kind of scrappy, but obviously significantly overmatched. When you look at the team performance overall, quarterbacks aside, what was your biggest takeaway from last night's game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, it's a kind of a survive and advance type mentality of like, you just, you know, there are teams who struggle every year, week one, um, you know, we saw, I was watching before Alabama's game, you know, TCU is more than a 20 point favorite and ranked against Colorado and lost. And so and I think there's some difference in those two, but like, sometimes you just got to just do what you got to do and just deliver and, you know, then move on to the next one. And I thought Alabama absolutely did that. I think defense looked good. Um, I think certainly some questions about some injuries guys getting banged up you hope that they're back in time for texas because uh, i thought uh i thought both of them played pretty well especially jalen key you know i thought he had a, a really strong uh, first game in alabama you really hope that guy's okay and i think he i think he will be but we'll, we'll find out more probably on monday when nick saban talks to the media um, but beyond that like i mentioned bond i felt he had a strong day i thought that was important um i think if i'm going to nitpick a little bit now i I think some questions around the offensive line and just in terms of, and Saban said this too, protection wise, they were great. You know, I think, you know, you, you go back to that 
Milrow bomb touchdown. Milrow had a lot of time. Like he had plenty of time to uncork one. Um, and I thought they did a really good job in that area. And, you know, we'll, I know you're going to rewatch the game and I'll try to rewatch it as well. well. We'll see maybe things pop up that I didn't notice in the moment, but it felt like Caden Proctor played well um, outside of, you know, McLaughlin's botch snap seemed like he played well, but in terms of the overpowering run game type stuff, I didn't see that. Um, I don't think that we saw, like, it felt like we're going to go more ground and pound. I know you were excited about the 12 personnel, but it didn't feel like there were huge holes for the running backs to go through. You know, it felt like more, again, the, the best runs are probably Milrow making something out of nothing. So I'm kind of curious about what, what that means moving forward, especially against Texas next week. But overall, I think offense did well. Defense played well. Um, I think there's a lot of guys who, uh, you know, made an impact. Uh, Cordarius Robinson, you know, wasn't really thinking much about him heading into the game. And I thought he had a really good day, really impactful and Braswell and some of these other guys. So I think it's felt good overall about it, but there's, there's some things that you kind of, you wonder what they mean projection wise moving forward. Yeah, no, I, you and I were talking about the offensive line last night and like, they looked fine. They didn't like, you know, it's not like it was Crimson Tide moving company out there in the trenches. Like they weren't exactly blowing guys over, but they weren't like getting beat, you know, like right. the couple of sacks that Milrow took um, pass protection from the running backs, like Roy Dell and, J and Jam got blown over by the oncoming rusher like that one that can't happen. But two, like that's not on the offensive line. That was their assignments. They got to figure that out. Um, but yeah, like you said, like they, they're not not bad, but not great. Right. Like they were talking about making people quit. <laughs> Like, I think Middle Tennessee is a team that you probably should make them quit, right? Like, and here's – they rushed for 221 yards. Um, 64 of those came from Milrow. So, really, 150-some rushing yards, you know, and that includes, you know, Simpson had, you know, a sneak and a couple runs. Uh, Buckner had a nine-yard touchdown run. So, really, less than 150 rushing yards from your primary ball carriers, like – I'd like to see a little bit more of that, um, you know, if For we're sure. picking mitts a little bit. Um, talked about the right wide receivers like Isaiah Bond, Jermaine Burton, Kobe Prentice had a three catch or yeah, three catches. Mari Nyblack had a couple catches. Um, looked good blocking downfield too. I know that's something that probably made Nick Saban and Tommy Reese really excited. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions, and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Defensively, um, a guy that popped... And there were quite a few guys that popped um, Caleb Downs, like yeah. talking yeah. about freshmen that step in and play. And again, it's middle Tennessee state. Let's see what they do against Texas. Same thing goes for Caden Proctor, who at left tackle first uh, left tackle, true freshman starter since Cam Robinson uh, in 2014. So 
Um, shout out Southeast Polk High School. Um, he didn't look bad. Um, you know, he didn't look fantastic. Like, again, he wasn't killing people. He had a few really good reps, but um, other true freshmen, Caleb Downs, led the team in tackles, um, had a tackle for loss. The dude was – he he was good. He was good. He wasn't great, but he he was good. Like, he just – he seemed sure. like he knew exactly where he had to go every single play. Um, he didn't look like he got beat. He flashed speed. He's a surefire tackler. Like, I don't know that he missed a tackle at all. Um, like, I know this was a guy that Nick Saban's been excited about, a guy that we've heard a lot about throughout the preseason. Um, week one test, like, talk about guys that are passing tests. Like, that guy – not only pass the game test, but also pass the eye test. This kid looks like he could really be special. Yeah, and you kind of hit on something that our uh, our colleague, Kirk McNair, asked Saban about after the game. But, like, you know, tackling, there's some questions around that, and it was clearly a priority. And as a whole, they did a good job at tackling. And I think that Caleb obviously led the way there, and I think he he absolutely passed the eye test. And, you know, just, there are multiple guys. I'm not saying it was 100% perfect, obviously, but there were a lot of guys who I thought who, who played well. They did what they needed to do. Uh, there weren't a lot of penalties. That was a major issue last season. And, you know, they didn't have major issues there. That was, I think, encouraging. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Downs Downs got a lot of offseason hype. And I think being compared to Minka Fitzpatrick, who's one of the best defensive backs I've seen at Alabama since I've been covering them, before you even play a single snap is – is is hard i think and i think that would be hard for some kids to live up to and again it's only week one you know who knows what will happen in the future but i think he absolutely answered that call in week one and i think it's understandable why so many people believe so highly in this kid um, and i think from everything you hear like mentally football iq like this kid is just really special yeah um just absolutely looked the part didn't look out of place as a true freshman i mean this guy was playing high school ball last year now he's playing division one um a couple other um you mentioned the penalties only two penalties for 19 yards against alabama last night um none of them were like super glaring or you know i guess either of them neither of them were super glaring um and then also i know it's early and i know people feel some type of way about pro football focus but they said that alabama only had five total missed tackles um i'm excited to see where they were in going back and rewatching the game. But I just watching it live, it kind of like you and Kirk were saying, just didn't look like they missed many, if at all. Um, you know, they gang tackled, they, they did really well. I know that, you know, in the secondary, there were maybe a, a couple of missed assignments here and there. And, you know, they were doing some, middle Tennessee was doing some funny stuff pre-snap, which, you know, like early in the game, they were pulling Tresman Marshall out of the middle, which opened up big running lanes for the quarterback. He had that 30 yarder early on, um, on the drive where they ultimately missed the field goal. But, um, you know, by and large, I thought the defense played pretty sound. Um, you know, you want to see them overpower uh, a team like Middle Tennessee. And, and overall, I thought they did. The pass rush looked fine. Um, one of the interesting things about the depth chart reveal, um, interesting to me, I don't know about anybody else, but like they kicked Jaheim Otis out to defensive end so that they were able to start Tim Keenan at nose guard. Um, and then you had Justin Aboyd be at the other defensive end spot. Um, you know, I curious to rewatch it. Um, but that was kind of interesting to me. I know Tim Smith was the other projected defensive end. And so, you know, Saban had said that he needed to see a little bit more consistency out of him. Um, also speaks to Otis's versatility that he's able to play basically anywhere on the defensive line. Um, so, you know, I thought they mostly had a pretty good day. Um, at least there was nothing like super glaring about the defensive line just off the top of my head. 
Yeah, that's one of those ones too where I feel like I need to like go back and watch it because like on first, you know, when you're just watching it live at the game, like I I don't know if I noticed like Otis like doing a ton. Like he wasn't a guy who really flashed to me the way I feel like some other guys did. But I'm sure going back and watching it closer, you will see that he made an impact on the defensive line. I'm sure that he did. Um, But like you said, it was it felt like the defensive line didn't do anything bad, but I don't know if they had those major impact plays and I'll, I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And I think Saban talked about this too. Like when you're trying to get the ball out fast, like there's just not a lot of opportunities where you're going to get a lot of quarterback hits and sacks and things like that. Like their offense was geared toward getting the ball out quick. And so, you know, there's only so much you can do in that regard. Um, but I thought overall didn't seem like there are any glaring issues there. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Figure we can wrap up here. Um, we kind of been doing it a little bit here and there throughout the show, but like if you were to, what's the biggest, uh, nit that you're going to pick with Alabama's performance last night? I know we've talked about Milrow. Um, we talked about small things like, in like the run, the run game, uh, maybe wanted to see a little bit more of that. Like what are, what are some other small areas that, you know, not emergency lights flashing, but like little things you might be keeping an eye on, um, you know, over this next week and, and really in the Texas game. Yeah, I mean, those are some of the big ones for me. I think we also kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, but, you know, like it felt like there was definitely a downgrade at star when Malachi Moore went out and Earl Little came in and felt like they went after him a bit. So and, you know, the early buzz has been that, you know, Malachi might be dealing with an ankle sprain. And so, you know, if he's not ready to go full go, or he's not able to play. That concerns me a bit, I think, for for the Texas game. Um, just again, I think you have a week to prepare and that I think will help Earl if he has to step in there, but it just felt like he you made a couple of mistakes. So that would be, I think one of them for me. And then, yeah, I mean, offensive line, just, you would have liked to have seen them dominate a little bit more in the run game. Um, But again, they, I thought they looked really good protection wise. And that was an issue. That's been an issue the last couple of years at times. So kind of a mixed bag there in some regard, but I'd like to see how that impacts next week again against the Texas team. That's, a good bit better. And then the last one is just, and it's not even like they didn't do anything wrong. It's just like just the timing between receivers and Milrow on some of those bigger plays. Like, you know, even Saban, when he was asked about the explosive plays was basically like, no offense to those guys, but like, we're going to have to do this against a much better caliber team. And like, you could just tell, I mean, they were just so much better than that secondary that like, you know, if it, if Isaiah Bond is only able to get a, a little bit of a step and not the full step and a half that he had, like can Milrow put the ball right on the money the way he needs to? It's a little bit of a question for me, but again, it's like they, they are truly nitpicks. There's no panic button stuff. There's no, Oh man, this is going to be a huge issue down the line. It's all just, they did it. They did well. They won easily. You can't get that mad about a huge blowout win. You know, it's just all just tiny things that when the level of play jumps up multiple levels is that a bigger issue yeah no i think that's that's totally fair i, I you know talking about milro some of those some of those like out routes like they were you know kind of more shallow toward the sideline um i think those are the kind of passes that you really want to see a lot of zip on and i a few of us made this comment in the press box some of those passes just kind of floated right and like better defensive backs like better athletes on you know a texas defense for example probably going to jump that and you know pass breakup more likely or possibly if they're that freak of an athlete you know that i mean that could be a pick six right there right so i like, mean watching tcu colorado 
Travis Hunter probably would have picked six that uh, one or two of those passes that Miller made. I mean, like you said, like that's, I mean, it definitely, that one, I think we talked about it. You and I are sitting next to each other in the press box. Like that pass to Jermaine Burton just felt like it hung up there and it was a completion, but like, I mean, you just can't do that. And it's weird. He has a strong arm. I I don't know. It was, I don't know. I don't understand. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, that was, you know, if we're picking nits here, like little things like that, like you kind of maybe want to see a few more darts or just, you know, if you're starting the drive or starting the play on one hash, don't, you know, maybe throw across to the other until you feel confident about that throw. Um, you know, that could be one thing. Um, you know, I'm trying to think like, I, you know, I, it's, it's also kind of hard to, to nitpick because you, you know, like you said, huge blowout too. Um, I wonder how vanilla they did keep the offense because Texas was probably watching that game. They're obviously going to go in and watch the film. Like there's, you know, let's get in and get out and beat up on a lower team without giving away too much type vibe last night. You know, I don't want to say that they were holding plays, but like, you know, they probably didn't install a ton, right. Or at least, I don't know. Like that's, that's another, you know, not a nitpick, but like just a thought that popped into my head. Like, you know, if we're going to, you know, how, how limited was the offense? How much more will we see when they play Texas next week? You know, like, I think that's, you know, do they get the tight ends more involved in the passing game? Does, you know, do they install a few more RPOs for Milrow? Um, you know, do they incorporate more, you know, rushing concepts for the offensive line? I don't know. Like that's, you know, these are obviously things we're going to ask Saban about this coming week. Right. So sure. um, the other, you know, I, the, the injuries in the secondary, I think, are also kind of worrisome. Just knowing what we know about Texas, right? Like Quinn Ewers came out last year and just, you know, before he got hurt, right? Only, what, a couple drives? Um, looked fairly good, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that was with two All-American safeties in the secondary. Alabama doesn't quite know if they have that yet. I mean, they've got a lot of talent in the secondary. And, you know, even after both Jalen Key, who had an interception, and Malachi Moore, who played, played pretty well, you know, after they went out, they were able to kind of shuffle the secondary a little bit and they gave up a touchdown. Like Earl Little had, you know, a couple of missed assignments there, but you know, that's where the depth is probably going to come through depending on what more and keys situation is. Um, you know, it'll be kind of interesting, right? Because that's, you know, Texas beat rice 37 to 10 kind of similar where it's, you know, lower team, they went in, did their job, but you know, I'm looking at, you know, Xavier Worthy's coming. They got a really good tight end. We mentioned Ewers. Um, you know, I know that what was it? Cole Kublick on the SEC network broadcast was making a huge deal about Alabama's offensive line. And then immediately I saw a lot of Texas guys who were like, well, their defensive line for the Longhorns is just as big. So like, that's going to be one of the matchups that we're all looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, that's, and we'll, you know, we'll get more into, you know, between this podcast and other podcasts, we'll break down Alabama, Texas this coming week. But, um, yeah, like, you know, like, I, and we mentioned this on previous shows too. Like, when you're Alabama and you start the season as the number four team in the country and your goal is to get to the playoff and win a national title, like, these nitpicks matter. Like, that is why I built it into the show as things that we need to, you know, what are things that we need to keep an eye on moving forward? Because you, you know, not that you need to be 110% perfect all the time, but like, you better iron out some of these things pretty quick before the SEC schedule hits. Otherwise, you're not getting where you want to go. And I guarantee you, Nick Saban, when he does his good, bad, and the ugly film review, is not it's not all good. There will be bad and there will be ugly. I mean, it's just there's no way that it's all perfect and it's never going to be this early on. And so that's it's just like you said, it's the standard. And, you know, they talk about the Alabama standard all the time, but that is what it is. Like that is kind of part of like we hold Alabama to a very high standard. It's not about, 
you know, you and I both went to schools that would, you know, be happy of eight and four and nine and three and all that. Like, that's not what the standard is here at Alabama. And so, you know, it's, you don't want to be overly negative, but it's, again, it's like even watching Milrow or the water receivers, like it's just looking at those little things. It's like, can this be a bigger problem when they have to play Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee? That's, those are the games that really matter. And that's what you're building toward. And the exciting thing is that we're getting a really interesting game week two. You know, we're getting a game that could in many ways determine a lot of how this season turns out for Alabama, you know? And so that's, that's, what's exciting is we're getting some real big boy football in week two. Yeah. At the, at the very least, I think it'll set the tone for what the rest of the season could look like. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of all I had, John, you got anything other, any other final thoughts here before we sign off? Well, the only other thing that I think like we didn't really hit on, and I don't think we need to spend more than a minute on it, but like, what did you, for all the talk, we've mostly just talked about Milrow. What did you think about Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner? Um, I feel bad for Ty Simpson because I think that dude just wants to go out there and throw the ball. And in five appearances, he has thrown six passes. Um, <laughs> like he's completed five of them for like 35, 40 yards. But like, I don't know. That's, you know, that goes back to player coach thing. He's obviously not showing what Saban wants to see. Um you know, not to get terribly morbid, but I wonder about, you know, okay, where, where is Ty Simpson going to be here next year? If that's sure. where he's currently at right now, um, not going to speculate, but like, I think it's a question worth asking given today's college football climate. Um, you know, we'll see, I guess I was a little surprised to see Buckner come off the bench first. Um, you know, I just, I kind of, not that I assumed, but just everything we had heard, it just, you know, Milrow was obviously going to get the first snaps. And then I just kind of figured, you know, Hey, like Ty Simpson will probably get the second snaps. Um, but you know, Buckner got out there. They each got two drives out there. There were two different drives. Like they let Buckner throw the ball a little bit. Um, you know, I, you had made the comment both before and during the game that these guys are a little bit more athletic, um, than maybe people give them credit for, at least when compared to Milrow. Um, and they showed that, right? Like Buckner, RPO, kept it, ran around the corner, scored a touchdown. Um, you know, Simpson had a nice little run and then he was able to sneak it in for a score. Um, you know, they looked fine. I, you know, do we see them against South Florida? If, if Milrow isn't up to snuff, do we see Buckner against Texas? Um, you know, I, I guess I like, I guess it was interesting. Um, but I just, I don't know how much more we're going to see of them this year. You know, you look at the schedule and it's like, okay, they get South Florida, um, you know, but then Ole Miss week four, um, and then, you know, Chattanooga, like week 11, like maybe that's when we see them a little bit, you know, and this, I guess this is all under the presumption that Milrow's going to continue to play like he did last night, which is obviously not a guarantee. He was up and down in his couple of extended performances last season and there's still very much the case that that could happen again this season but um yeah I don't know like it just it kind of comes back to haven't seen a ton of them we still haven't seen a ton of them so it's just I don't really think we know what they have there yeah no I think that's a fair point I think if you know if we don't see one of those guys against South Florida something definitely went wrong you know <laughs> because they should beat up on South Florida uh, so that's where I think we'll see him next. But you're right. After that, you know, there's probably not going to be a ton of opportunities for those guys if Milrow remains the guy moving forward. Yeah. So, and it just, it makes me wonder, you know, with, you know, Dylan Lonergan was one of the or designations. He's only a true freshman. Um, 
you know, what does that mean for, you know, a Ty Simpson, a Tyler Buckner, if Milrow is able to kind of staple this thing down and make it his over the next couple of weeks? I don't know. Like, it's just, these are the thoughts in my head. For sure. Um, I think that's it. We will, I appreciate you joining me, John. I know it was, we had a late night last night and an early morning. This <coughs> morning. Um, but we'll be back later this week, probably Wednesday, Thursday ish, uh, to break down Alabama's week two game against the 11th ranked Texas Longhorns. They beat rice in week one, 37 to 10. Um, last season, Crimson Tide snuck out a thriller against Texas 20 to 19. They'll clash next week in what's probably going to be the week two game of the week, you know, or at least the most exciting game on the slate. College game day is going to be here. SEC Nation is going to be here. Lots to look forward to this next upcoming week. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247. Week one is now in the books, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again soon. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.